gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the midwest monsters podcast i'm one of your hosts grizzly abner and i'm joined by professor wagstaff venomous Vinny, hot toddy good to be with you tonight friends we are bringing you another installment of the monster mash you know the format we each pick a movie make each other watch it talk about them so uh i am grizzly abner and i chose a film called devil's reign i'm professor wagstaff <laughs> And I picked Lake Mungo. Venomous Vinny, I chose City of Lost Children. And I'm Hot Toddy. I forced cruising on these guys. <laughs> you forced cruising in. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think I encouraged you to buy it, so you, you can't have. force me. <laughs> All right, so Hot Toddy, what are we going with first? Uh, let's start out with The Devil's Reign. Uh, 1975, directed by Robert Feist. Feist whatever. Yep. Uh, cast is a uh, very young Ernest Borgnine. Very young. <laughs> <laughs> he was 55 in 1975. Uh, William Shatner, Tom Skerritt, and uh, I guess a blink if you miss it, John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or as I call him, John Revolta. Uh, can, 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 I, can I just say I was like I kept I was like where the hell did John Travolta I missed him I did I, too I really was at the time period and stuff I was really hoping he was gonna come out and be like hey like <laughs> what <laughs> yeah. where yeah. <laughs> like what are you doing these guys you hey, you guys wish better the stop with too? the way the devil reigns <laughs> oh what oh man so um, <laughs> I am. I'm actually speechless, <laughs> as you were. Continue. You know how it is, worshiping the devil and whatnot. Yeah, I called my girlfriend Sandy. Sandy. <laughs> hey, tell you what, those summer nights, bud. So, do, you, uh, do you do that voice at home and to hear your wife say, shut the fuck up? <laughs> so, um, Stay tuned after the episode. He'll be having a conversation between Christopher Walken and John <laughs> And I'll occasionally throw in Vincent Price and Tracy Morgan. <laughs> that's a, I'll that's just a keep saying Bigool if you did. That's Throwbacks. A, that's a movie I'd like to see. <laughs> All right, what's next? So, uh, so uh, I'm Grizzly Adner. I chose Devil's Reign. Vinny needs to choose and, diapers. Um, yeah, I just chose it. I had never seen it before. I wanted an excuse to watch it. Uh, I've never seen a purple duck before, so uh, <laughs> I colored the duck purple. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I love a good satanic cult film, and this sounded fun, and I heard lots of people say it was fun, and definitely the, the still photos of it always look fun, and so that's why I picked it. Um, you guys, opening impressions. Uh, this was the second time I'd seen it. I'd heard about it, and then Severn put out the nice Blu-ray of it, so I checked it out, especially with the, the cast that it had. I, f I find it fascinating who's involved with this, yeah. both uh, established stars and upcoming ones. I mean, even somebody like Ida Lupina is a massive, massive figure in the history of uh, women in Hollywood. She, she might have been the first female director, 
uh, but she was in a string of movies. Um, comes from kind of uh, an established family. Father was a director, anyways. And here she is in a bit role as the mom. You know, it's just yeah. even somebody like that sprinkled in here. But then, as you mentioned, the people that we have in it. If nothing else, it's a fascinating exercise in. 70s cinema and how weird it could get with normal mainstream stars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, first time viewing, I'd never heard of it before. And when I was first kind of browsing around to see where I was going to be able to get it from to watch it, I was so surprised when I watched it and it wasn't an Italian movie <laughs> because <laughs> everything that I had seen of stills and everything else, it looked very much like an Italian movie to me. What the hell's that supposed to be? Uh, and then I started watching, and then of course, the, the minute I saw Bill Shatner, I knew that, oh, this is not what I thought this yeah. was going to be. Uh, I was surprised to see uh, Bill Shatner's wig between Star Trek, the original series, and Star Trek, the motion picture. I had never seen that style of wig that he was wearing <laughs> for that one. I wasn't familiar with that era. Um, but yeah, I had never seen this movie before, so this was a first watch for me. Uh, first watch for me? Um, I, don't think I, I don't think I heard about this movie till a few years ago. Which I find strange that this movie's not exploited more just because of the people that's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that um, whether you know you like it or you don't like it or or whatnot, that, that the company would not have plastered this movie all over the place. I'm surprised that I didn't hear more about it just because of who the cast was. Yeah. I think they probably planned to, and then they got back the, the stills of Borg 9. <laughs> they were like, ah! Never mind. Hey, if, if nothing spells evil to you like them eyebrows on Ernest Borgnine, yeah. nothing will. It's like, hey, Marty has horns. Okay. That reminded me from, uh, remind me of, was it Goat Boy from Mad TV? <laughs> or Saturday Night Live. Oh. Jim Brewer. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we start out, it's a stormy night, and... You know, this mom is digging a weird book out of the floor in their house and talking about this weird family history, and they've got their caretaker there looking out for her, and she's that's afraid. A, that's unusual? Yeah. That's how I always hear about our history. Is <laughs> my mom digs out our family tree out of Pull, the... Pulls up the floorboards. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, William Shatner arrives, and he's talking about how they'll do anything to figure out what happened to their dad, or his dad. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like they go outside and the, the guy appears and it's supposedly their dad, but then his face melts off. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, Oh, the party started. Yeah. yeah. And I would like to say, I don't know if it's because of who he was surrounded by, but Bill Shatner didn't seem as hammy to me as he does in the, most other things. Oh, yeah. The 911 acting. It, yeah. It didn't seem as over the top to me in this film as a lot of his work does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. There's a devil at my side. <laughs> don't <laughs> look at me. <laughs> um, so at that point, I'm wondering, I'm like, his dad's missing. Now the mom, some, is this a prequel to Supernatural? <laughs> the brothers are going to fight this satanic cult. Oh, true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he actually goes out to where, does anybody remember what Borgnine's character's name is? Uh, Jonathan Corbus. Corbus. Jinx by Nico. I was going to say that too. <laughs> Got to go find Corbus. I'm going to settle all this. Go find dad. Got to go find Corbus, you know? But I won't give him the book, you know. He goes out, and uh, you know it's like this old 
abandoned wild west town i was gonna say it's it, it's i could see where he mentioned uh, italian because it almost looks like an italian western when oh it definitely yeah. looks like a spaghetti western <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like i'm like what is this like an abandoned <laughs> theme park like where are they at you know and so they have this like this standoff and he's like you got to go in the church with me and bill shatner's like I'll go in that church, but I'll come out with the same amount of faith I did as when I walked in. And this, so they make a gamble. He's like, well, it's like, it's- easy, buddy. I'm just going to get you some lemonade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep your, keep your shirt on. Yeah. And he's like, but if you don't, I get the book. And he's like, but if I do, I get my parents <laughs> and the amulet. No, he's got, he's got the amulet currently. Yeah. There's an amulet. There's a book. Yeah. The amulet, <laughs> his, his mother tells him that if, as long as he has that amulet, nothing like they can't get him. Yeah. Which so, helps him out for all of about 30 seconds. Yeah. Gets his, gets his ass whooped and his amulet taken from Let me him. tell you something, though. If I thought I had a giant snake around my neck, I'd have thrown that bitch off. What did, uh, <laughs> what did, what did he say? Back you devil. <laughs> <laughs> Give us that Vincent Price. It's obligatory. You brought it up. Back. Back you devils. Makes <laughs> <laughs> me laugh every time. So, yeah, he goes in, the satanic people are in their robes. Turns out his mom's in there, too. Now her eyes are missing. Uh, that's a, that's going to be a popular theme. Mom's, the mom's robes open and <laughs> pleasuring herself. And she it has gets, the cookbook. It's real weird. <laughs> so. Uh, we not watch the same movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you guys actually did watch an Italian film. I so, think I watched White Rain, which was also oh about hairspray. Oh, so um they overtake him they they strap him <laughs> to like this table and they're gonna convert him they're, they're basically he looks like this dude from history right so ernest borgnine and this cult have been around this area for like 400 years right they're and, pilgrims yes and now they're cowboys <laughs> and they give bill shatner a handy which converts him exactly and that's how it works out which is why i don't go to churches so quit asking me to come (laughs) now we wait till the third time you've been to my church twice (laughs) the third time's when we do you already got me to eat crackers and weird stuff (laughs) so uh um so many jokes that i just left alone yeah so they they flash back and it's this whole like witch hunt thing where they're trying to find people who are involved in the satanic cult bill shatner looks like the guy that sold them out right Mm-hmm. Am I remembering that right? So they want to get him back so they can get their revenge on him. And they're going to put this guy's soul into William Shatner so they can like kill him all over again. I guess. Maybe <laughs> is it is Italian. This is an Italian movie. <laughs> I start to sound like Professor Explaining Beyond. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. <laughs> um, you uncultured swine. <laughs> but then... William Shatner's brother, played by Tom Skerritt, comes looking for him because he knows that Clovis. He, <laughs> he knows that Clovis is bad news too. Um, Can I tell you how long it's been since I've seen a movie with Tom Skerritt in it, and how unre- unreasonably excited I got when I saw him? <laughs> Same here. I was like, yeah. Tom Skerritt. Carrie's like, What's he in? I'm like, Poltergeist Three. She's like, That doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> was he Strawberry and Cheech and Chong Evans smoke? Yeah, uh, thanks guys i like i like alien. that you went, you went to porter guys three alien. instead of saying alien. alien yeah that too or still magnolias devil's rain, devil's <laughs> rain. um 
Do you guys want to interject at any point here? You got it. I'm, I'm glad that I'm listening to you tell the story. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm trying to make sense of what I had watched. So I like that. You're telling me, uh, it's like, Oh, okay. Scarrett finds the old caretaker. <laughs> the old caretaker is going to go help him. Right. Yeah. The caretaker is helping him. Right. Don't you look at me. Who's helping him. <laughs> Tom Scarrett's got someone helping. Did he have a Tom Scarrett did play Strawberry in Apple Smoke. <laughs> Thank you. We will sleep easy now. Um, is a psychic Speaking researcher that went with. <laughs> that, that went oh, with, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With he and his wife. Yes. So they go out there and they're creeping around and they find the Devil's Rain. Does anyone want to explain what the Devil's Rain is? Well, the Devil. It's kind of like have indoor plumbing. It's like that thing, so, it's like one of those little uh, lamps that your grandma had on like her, her uh, console TV. And it was like fiber optic, but then it had screaming souls and rain <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> it was like that, it's like that meets a snow globe. Yeah. 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 And it was full of trapped souls. They were trapped in the devil's rain. Like they are. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, what have you. Any, any interjection? No. Okay. Uh, this, so, it's one of those pots that seems... Way more like there's going on than there is. Yeah, it's really. I was. I didn't expect to see creature effects in this movie. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise for me because we all know I like creature stuff. So I was surprised to see when the goat <laughs> when uh, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine turns into the goat. And he looked like the Sayer of the Law when uh, it when, looked like when Will Ferrell appears to with the guitar <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, like the instant. There he is. Like, so uh, intermittently, you need to understand that Borgnine, as Clovis, as the leader of this cult, also gets possessed by Satan, the devil, and he he turns he turns goat face with horns. He's into that Satanism occasionally, and it's it's remarkably well done for how silly it looks. Yes, it's an Oscar winner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it really. It's silly looking, but it's not bad looking. No, at no. All. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's, yeah. it's more silly because of who's in it. Yes, you kind of can't believe that Ernest Borgnine <laughs> is here. Is now the devil? Yeah, yeah. But it, it looks good, and I, I love the uh, the effects on the eyes. Even though kind of the HD transfers has made it a little bit more easy to see exactly what's going on there. But it reminds me, especially of fifties horror. They'd get into gimmicks like that. Um, like Tor Johnson, his eyes whited out, or you yeah. had like the black sleep and some of these other films. It, it just, there's something about it that has kind of a throwback feel to that, which I think is fun. Cause we open with that, with the father showing up yeah. like that. It's a nice grabber. Yeah. Get you into sure, it. Sure. There's a lot of good effects. Um, so Shatner is full on possessed at this point. Um, and with his eyes gone, looks strikingly like the Shatner mask that was used in the <laughs> Halloween movies. This is 75. This is probably around when that mold was made yeah. before the mask. Right. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, they smash the devil's reign. People start losing their damn mind. All the cult members' faces start melting off. The melting effects are pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. still, it looks yeah. good. Yeah. And, uh, and then the psychic lady who had dreams about being trapped in the devil's reign gets trapped in the devil's rain. in the devil's rain and scene and that's the movie what do you think she said in the devil's rain devil's rain devil's rain i was i, I was thinking more of like back <laughs> back you devil back you i feel devils. like a, i can't i sound like the target lady when i do it <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's Devil's Reign in a nutshell. You might want to say anything else about it. Yeah, I think we've that's, covered it pretty that's, good. That's the Devil's Reign and the Devil's Reign. 
I enjoyed the movie. Like I, it's I don't know how often it'll be in my rotation, but it was a pleasant surprise for me. Are you thinking weekly or monthly? <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect much out of it. I didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, at the end of the day, and and historically, this is not my favorite era of cinema, um, but I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Okay, Toddy. Uh, I was confused a little bit by what I watched, but I did enjoy it, and I still am like uh. Uh, I, I'm assuming John Travolta was the guy that fell down the stairs. Yes, John Travolta was the guy. Who Did they fell ever down show his stairs. face? Because I actually remember Whoa. that scene, like falling down the <laughs> stairs. Help me, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy, <laughs> falling down the stairs. Uh, professor, I've enjoyed it both watches. Yeah. I think it's a perfect example, especially if somebody's interested in that era of film. With the '70s, the highbrow and lowbrow frequently blended, yeah. and it's just a bonkers times for movies. You really. Uh, constantly are not sure what you're getting when you start one from that decade unless it's an established classic and so this perfectly illustrates that it's a good time it holds up well and i don't think anybody cared about it when it came out but it's certainly developed legs mm-hmm. over the years yeah um, it's starting to continually might i say have a cult following <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you I, I will say uh for Fuck it, you Vinny, it's funny for it being kind of a quiet movie i was expecting it to be really bad I think the special effects were decent for what it was. Uh, the acting wasn't bad for what it was. Um, so, yeah. And it gave me an excuse to open the Blu-ray. Cause as we know, I like to buy stuff and let it sit on the shelf. <laughs> I think it's fun, too, with what you're saying. People see that still a lot of times before they've seen the movie. And I think you're pleasantly surprised. It's nowhere near as goofy as you as those images would lead you to believe. Right. Because Ernest Borgnine made up like that makes it look like it's the most ridiculous <laughs> oh, thing yeah. ever made. Yeah. That's uh that's my version of the Devil's Reign, by the way, is uh when I just buy movies and it sets on open on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'd say I'd definitely say watch it. Um, I enjoyed it. I would have enjoyed some more cohesive storytelling. It did feel Italian overall, but again, I liked it, and yeah. it's something I'll watch again. You don't always get the logic when you're trapped in the Devil's Reign, buddy. <laughs> it was more like a. I can't top that. So we're it was more like one. that. The the like Catalina dressing than the, the Italian, but <laughs> Catalina devil mixer. Um, all right. I feel like we didn't flesh these jokes out, but I like them. <laughs> all right. So if you thought this was silly and bonkers, let me tell you about another film we covered city of lost children. Vinny's currently looking at the plaque. So he didn't watch it. <laughs> Just Let's... kidding. Time. So, uh, in detail. The city of the lost children, 1995. Um, like directed by Mark, Mark Caro and Jean-Pierre Jornet. And the cast is Ron Perlman and a bunch of French people. And uh, the French oh, reboot good. of Labyrinth. <laughs> it kind of is. Ron Perlman and a bunch of French people. That is not incorrect. And uh, this is a, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but. Okay. I guess I'm in that lost city of children. All right. Well, uh, first time viewing. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Just don't know why. <laughs> um, uh, we'll get into. We oui, oui. we'll, we'll get into <laughs> its its place and genre and things like that. But um, it was it was a bit of a chore to watch, but I didn't hate it. We'll put it that way. That's synonymous with glowing review. Um, <laughs> I, I had thought I had seen this. 
I had not. Uh, five <laughs> minutes into this, I knew I hadn't. You're um, thinking Delicatessen. Which I had seen. And <laughs> Amelie, which I, I love. It's an excellent film. Interesting director. Did one of the Alien sequels as well. Uh, I, I thought I'd seen this, but I hadn't. Um, oh, is this uh, Goddard? No. no, Goddard's French New Wave. Oh. But the same era. <laughs> I didn't, you, sometimes you I don't know if you're sc- screwing with no. me or not. <laughs> Like earlier when you said something, you're like, that's sarcasm. Like, I, I don't know. I can't tell. It's so thick sometimes. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd seen this, but I hadn't. Um, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about um, its place in the genre, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, not for me, but a well-made film. Yeah. And I think there's a certain segment of the population that would love this. So. It's kind of where I'll leave it initially. Uh, but yeah, I chose this movie. I had never seen it. All that I had ever seen, I had. I'm a Ron Perlman fan for starters. Uh, secondly, I had seen the cover art, and I read a brief plot synopsis. Now, saying that, having watched the movie now in hindsight, I probably would not have chosen this movie for this podcast. In hindsight, I think at best this movie is horror adjacent. At best, Uh, I feel like there are only a couple of moments that may uh, help it to shoehorn into this genre. Um, Like I say, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have chosen it. However, uh, having watched it now, I'm not mad that I watched it at all. Um, It's not something that's going into the rotation. I don't know that I will watch it again, but... It was very interesting to me because if we haven't said it already, this is a French film. Uh, it was. It's not. It's not often that. <laughs> it's not often that I watch a movie that is completely unmolested by Americans. So it's it. I find it interesting to see a fully French film. You sure. know what I mean? Um, I'll leave it at that. We'll go on top. We'll talk more about it later. Like fully French, like the the ladies have hair <clears throat> under their arms. Yes. Uh, first time watch. Um, I'm f- familiar with the title at least because of uh the video store. Um, it's again, it's a title uh, uh not widely received in Richmond because uh to quote Richmond people uh if I wanted to read a book I'd pick up one. Uh, <laughs> so um. I'm not sure what I watched, and I, I, probably about 20 minutes in, I was like, which motherfucker picked this again? <laughs> but um, I'll say, like, honestly, I'm kind of glad I watched it, because this is a movie people talk about a lot. Um, it was a prequel to the movie Inception, if you didn't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, also, when it started, too, with all the Santas, I was like, who slid in some Christmas horror? Yeah, no shit. Um it was really bizarre. I, I will say it was kind of boring, but uh, Ron Perlman was hot off the hills of uh, Police Academy 7, where they go to Russia. <laughs> so I guess a uh, theme here. And um, I knew you were going to steal that fact. I'm still not, a, <laughs> still not, a, I'm still not sure what I watched. Uh, other so than some child. weird uh, kids belching and stuff all the time. And uh, some, <laughs> some, some pee pee poo poo humor, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And um, I don't know. I uh, I will say I always like to post uh, when I'm watching stuff on Facebook, mostly because I like to see what people's reaction is. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a few people that actually responded to how much they love this movie. So 
Sure. Do we want to give a brief plot synopsis on this nah, at this point? I think we've all said what we thought of it. Let's move on. Just kidding. Of course. Yeah, go Is ahead. There, uh, so basically, there's there's this decrepit old scientist who has lost the ability to dream. So he is kidnapping it's children. your 40s. He is kidnapping children and siphoning off their dreams. Wasn't this the plot of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker? <laughs> so that he can yes. experience dreams. Um, he's surrounded by these genetically engineered henchmen, uh, all played by the same guy, uh, which I'm trying to think. It was it Dominique Pignon is his mm-hmm. name. He's yeah. also from Amelie. Uh, often very hard to determine whether or not he has upper teeth. Uh, <laughs> Don't start reading IMDb factoids. <laughs> so they 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 steal this little boy. Ron Perlman is a circus strong man. They steal this boy, which is this boy his son? Or is this his brother? His little brother. He keeps saying little, little brother. brother. Little brother. So uh <laughs> and then it's basically him He's and this young French. girl helping him to try to rescue little brother. Little brother. Um the the things that that struck me about this movie, because it, it is it is very weird. Very weird. Um, but I like that element of whimsy that's brought in with this film because it's so unlike anything else that I've ever watched. Um, Petite Prairie. It doesn't. I liked it up. It does not necessarily. <laughs> Can you do back, back you devils in French? Give me a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I truly am. Uh, but I like the whimsy that's so brought in, and also I found the artistic use of uh, of the the sets, the colors, everything. It reminded me a bit of Dick Tracy, uh, with the use of the primary colors and the way it was filmed. I think obviously there's a different approach and a different flavor to a French film than there is an American film and what I'm used to seeing. So there's a bit of it that uh, is a bit off-putting to me, but I think as a whole, I'm glad that I watched it and I, I was very impressed with the the use of the medium and visuals with this movie. Like the underwater stuff where the guy's in the old dive suit walking around. Like it, It's a very fantasy movie. But oh, yeah. But I, I really enjoyed those aspects of the film. Um, I liked a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff you said. I liked a lot of the the like scenery and uh, like the weird. There's like the car with the eyeball in it, and um, it does have a lot of strange visuals. What a, What about the scene? Because there's that gang that's like Cyclops. They have one eye that's robotic. What about the scene where they rip the dude's eye out and make him watch himself get murdered? Yeah, <laughs> that is one of them. Where I was like, okay, this get. This is the way I can kind of justify picking this for this podcast, but that scene was pretty cool, I, I thought. I will say, mm. is, uh, I don't normally say this because I usually don't mind reading a film. I think for my first watch that this one was so out there that I think if I rewatched it, I might enjoy it better because trying to read what's going on and um, there's a lot that you need to watch in this film than... Then, uh, I feel then, like once you're reading this, like if I'm being honest, once I get into a movie, I don't realize I'm reading it. Right. But... Um, and I don't always like a movie when it's dubbed because sometimes that takes me really out right. of the movie because usually the voices they get I would rather dub. read it than have it dubbed. Yeah, usually the voices they get to, to dub over is horrible. Um, like, like they get Chris Tucker to play Ron Perlman. But 
Uh, <laughs> um, hey, I'm looking for my little brother. <laughs> a little higher. Man, which one of y'all block my dreams? It's childish. <laughs> Here's the thing. I go steal my little brother on my day off. <laughs> I was getting ready to try and do a scream, but we'll skip that. Um, it is important, though, for listeners um, who maybe already know the, the you know the enjoyment that they find in foreign film, and they're kind of going, yeah, 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 I get it. It's different storytelling when you're watching films from around the world versus American. We can't make too many concessions for this. The storytelling is kind of clunky. It's visually stunning, and they rely on implied reality of the fantasy, if that makes sense. Terry Gilliam made films like this. That's why something like Brazil is celebrated by so many people. I can't get into it. It's just a little too eccentric for me. And so I do think it's important to point out that you can watch even this director's, some of his other films, and there is a big difference in keeping up with it Mm -hmm. and traditional storytelling. Because something like Amelie is more traditional, but it's still very different from an American film. And so there's certainly a, a whimsy to it, but this relies solely on this is just the reality of the world we're in and it moves through it um, without really, I think the the difference between that and what we're used to seeing with films here is the buildup of what we expect. In a I narrative. think this movie's visual candy. Yeah. And I think that that's important to point out. It's so it's on top of that, you're reading subtitles if you're not used to it, but this isn't any type of normal storytelling at it, all. It moves in a way that, the, the beats sometimes don't have a rhythm to it. Like some of the things you veer off with really don't end up being pertinent the to the humor's story. humor's odd as well. And when you're already watching a foreign film set in a fantastic fictional world, that can be tough to keep up with. And so I do want to point that out that it, it's not just because it's a French film. This is a weird movie. Yeah, it yeah. is. Period. And, and I don't think it's for if, – if you're just a pedestrian viewer, I don't think this is for you. If you're going to choose Steven Seagal or this, you might choose the Steven Seagal. <laughs> I, I likened it to, uh, I think it was, yeah, I think we were talking to Vinny. Um, Carrie had had me watch um, Coraline a month or two months ago. And she's a big fan of Coraline. And she's into that sort of kind of fantasy world. Like she likes a lot of movies that are like that. And so as we were watching this, we're both like 20 minutes in going, what in the fuck are we watching? But as the film goes on, I'm like, I think Carrie's going to like this more than me because it's, it's going to tap into that fantasy world that she likes in a film. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Coraline is much better storytelling. I was going to say, I don't, uh, it's more linear. Yes. Right. This does not flesh out the possibilities it could for a movie that's so creative. Exactly. I guess it's only my only hang up. Right. It. So it's, this is, uh, this is a great artistic movie to look at. But if you want nice, tight storyline, you're not going to get that here. No. I mean, and there's even the use of, of CGI and with the fleas that are injecting. Uh, it's just, it's a weird flick, man. But I kind of embrace its weirdness. Sure. I, th- I think if I would have watched this when it came out, too, I might feel a little differently than now. And I was trying to think, too. When did, um, I, granted, I know that it's an American film, but when did Fifth Element come out? Because Fifth Element far off from has that weird. I feel like maybe after this, I felt like if I would have watched this when it actually came out, because um, Fifth Element's an American film, but it has a lot of that 
like uh, French bunkers that this has. Uh, but again, the the storytelling's a little off. If, if we're being honest, too, it's it's a uh, it's a movie about a guy that can't dream. That's basically a weird dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and unlike Alice in Wonderland or Coraline, um, where there's like a flow to it, they're just like, well, you know, most dreams don't have a flow. So. Yeah. Um, I think if I would have watched this earlier on, or like I said, uh, this one was definitely hard to get into more because of trying to read what they're saying to figure out what's going on, to still be confused as what's going on. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I feel like if I would have found a dub version, I would have been taken out of the film early on. So yeah, uh, this might have to be a rewatch down the road a ways um, just to see if I can... Now that I kind of know what I'm watching, maybe I can get into it a little bit more. Did we wrap up what happens in our story here? We didn't. Go ahead if you'd like. Oh, you want to? No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, basically, we have the strong man. What's his name? One? Mm-hmm. Uh, he and the little girl uh, go to um, retrieve his brother, and we have the big Is showdown. Yeah, and so, I mean, we don't need to go through all of it that occurs there. We enter the dream world at one point. Um but basically, you have kind of a traditional ending in the sense of the big explosion and the mm-hmm. escape, and we mm-hmm. get out. It's interesting how they do cool. that uh, with the explosives to the leg of the stilts that hold it up and the bird landing on the guy after he's changed <laughs> his mind, the diver, and it blowing it all up. So it definitely was a French ending with an American twist to it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we, we get what we set out for. That's a very quick and straight-to-the-point ending, but... It's, it's too weird to cover all of it. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, it's like I can't recommend it, but I also can't say don't watch it. Like I, I would not recommend this on a horror podcast to just straight horror fans, but if no. you're interested in French films, this is a director to check out. Um, the other movies we mentioned, Delicatessen and Amelie, are both very... Amelie's a fantastic yeah, film. That's my favorite from this director. But I, think, I think a lot of people, lot of different too, things. too, like they like... It's just a bonkers movie. So if you want a bonkers movie, it is. this is probably a good one. And I, it, I've i never been able to sell all the way through Brazil either. Yeah. I never thought about it until you mentioned it. Because there, there are a few American films that I would compare this to that's just weird and bonkers. And it's like, what the hell did I watch? Um, but yeah, if, if, if someone said, give me a scary movie, would I recommend this? No. But no. If you wanted a crazy bonkers film, check it out. Okay. Uh, just at the, uh, request of Todd, I did look up <laughs> back you devils in French and it is recuperate vous démon. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. French Vincent Price. All right. Moving right along. What's our next French price? French price. Uh, moving along. We have Lake Mongo 2008. I believe this is part of the uh, After Dark film series. It was. All right. It was. Uh, written and directed by Joel Anderson. Uh, cast includes uh, Rosie Trainer, David Pledger, Martin Sharp, and Talia Zucker. Okay. Uh, Professor, this is your pick. Can you tell us uh, why you picked it? Sure. Um, every once in a while, I like to grab a movie that I just think most people didn't hear about uh, that has some work to it. It won't necessarily be the a film that I even love. I just, they're ones that I like to bring a little attention to and talk about. And in particular with this one, I wanted to revisit it because I'd only seen it once and I watched it back maybe around 
oh, maybe, I don't know, 2011, 2012, in the pretty late one night, I'd never heard of it, never talked to anybody about it, just checked it out blindly. And it kind of scared me because yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I had heard no hype, nothing. So it was just a true blind watch. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And when the store closed that Todd worked at, Hastings, they cleared out a bunch of stuff for dirt cheap. And I found the DVD in there of it for $2. And I'd had that since then, but hadn't went back to it. And I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity revisit this one so it was one that um i enjoyed enough i was interested to see if i had the same experience um with a review revisit to it and, um thought maybe if you guys hadn't seen it before it'd be a fun one to take a look at which i think grizz you had just recently watched mm-hmm. it so but that was kind of the history with me and why i picked it yeah uh i had never seen this movie um watched it it wasn't what I expected. I had conjured a different movie in my head based off the name. I expected a creature feature based off the name. Uh, was not what I got. You but thought I, it was that big alligator? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, it wasn't what I thought I was going to get going into it, but I wasn't upset by what I got. I say that a lot when I go to McDonald's, but... <laughs> um, I think I was familiar when you brought it up. I kept trying to remember um, after looking into it. I remember the box and everything. Um, and I think somebody had mentioned that it was part of after dark. And that's, I think when it hit me uh, what the movie was, I still was unfamiliar with uh, uh, what the movie was actually about other than just seeing the cover. Um, this was the first time watch. Um, I think going into it, I wasn't expecting like a wasn't found. Fo- it was filmed kind of like a documentary style, I guess. A mockumentary, if you will. Um, yeah, it definitely kind of sucked me in early on, and there was a, a lot of uh, creepy elements to it. So um, I kind of agree a little bit with Vinny. Uh, I was expecting a little bit of a different film, but um, but also I wasn't upset with what I got. So Okay. Uh, this is my second viewing, and I almost... No, I didn't almost. I definitely appreciated the opportunity to watch it a second time because I was just kind of left scratching my head the first time. And so uh, we'll talk about the the ending uh, and just it's it's. I think it's a good movie. I'll put that out straight up front. But I think it's it just takes some weird twists and turns that make it out of the ordinary. And I think that's what makes it stand out to a lot of people. Like I was looking up some different things. I mean, this movie's on a lot of people's top. Uh, like found footage lists. And that's what made me, that made me check it out the first time. I was gotcha. Like, it was at the top of some very strange lists that were intersecting for different reasons. And I thought, huh, I've never even heard of this movie. So I'll check it out. And it was on Amazon prime. So, yeah. So like I said, I like it enough, but it just, it's like twist, pivot, turn, twist, pivot, turn. And I'm like, okay, it's in the roller coaster, you know? I kind of like that, though, because so many documentaries in the last 20 years do that, where you, you think you're tuning in for something and we just keep having the crazy veer off into something we learned why we're making it. Yeah. And so it, it, there's a lot of that. It may be a little too much for this, but it is what it is. Um, so as mentioned before by one of you, it's a documentary style film. Um, documentary. Yeah, okay. It's exactly like Spinal Tap. Um, but yeah, we it's it's everything shot like that. Um and they 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 really nail all aspects when we 
refer to older footage. It's it's sold exactly that way, um, and it doesn't look like a cheap imitation of it. Uh, but our basic premise for the documentary is we have a 16-year-old girl mockumentary, 16-year-old uh, <laughs> Alice Palmer drowns while swimming uh, out with her family to dam, and we are left with um, just what the hell happened and the fallout um, from that, and how each family member is dealing with grief and everything that follows from there. Um, if, if anybody has seen Picnic at Hanging Rock, the film from the 70s, it's got an interesting relation in kind of the same region of the world there because the premise of that is this haunting movie about this uh, girl's school who goes out on a field trip, like a picnic, and has some disappearances, uh, oh, weird. as you would guess, Hanging Rock. Um, but anyway, so we deal with kind of getting to know each family member and how they're processing uh, the grief and the confusion of all this. We have a father who's burying himself at work. Um, we have a mother who is kind of going nuts um, in a lot of ways. She's having trouble sleeping at night. And one of my favorite moments is when it's all normal with the ideas of what you would expect for somebody going through something horrific like this, where she talks about <laughs> not being able to sleep and going out and walking around to avoid having to lay down. And then she just drops in the little nugget that she also occasionally goes into other people's homes just to be in their world. It's like, what? And it's, yeah. and it's Australian, so it's funny when she, she's like, and I, I can't sleep at night, so I just walk around and then I just walk in people's houses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so is this what a walkabout is? Like, she, what uh, the hell? I was going to say, she uh, and Hayes, uh her neighborhood. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, we also have the brother. I didn't get either of those references, by yeah, the way. Uh, you don't remember when they uh, Anne Hesh, I think somebody came home and she's asleep in their bed or something crazy. Uh, it was, there were three bears that came. Home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I they found Margot Kidder out in the front yard cutting her hair off, and like she had a complete. I think Robert Downey Jr. Back. also wandered in somebody like. Yeah, they had, found him in their his crib. Was, his was drug induced, of course. After Iron Man three. So <laughs> we also have the brother who is growing more and more obsessed uh, with photography and he's uh, doing something interesting with taking pictures in the backyard every so many weeks and doing comparison shots over time, which at first you think, isn't this convenient for something spooky to be set up? But we'll learn a little bit more about what's going on with the brother. Uh, but they also at one point consult a psychic named Ray on the sightings, but he he has no insight. Um, and this comes after the brother has caught footage around their house. He's got an image of what appears to be his sister standing in the backyard. They're he, twins, aren't they? He, I think. I, they don't really heart much back on that through the film. Yeah, you're but, right. Um, we also have a figure walking across the hallway at night from a stationary camera he had set up. And the psychic can pull nothing from it they grow frustrated with that and so that's kind of the initial setup for the film um do you want me to just start going into the twists and turns is there anything you guys want to say about kind of the base of it i was just gonna say two things one they make mention at the very beginning of the the, the film that they're like yeah alice we loved her she was wonderful she was bright she was happy she was cheery but she was private yeah that's true she had her secrets they're like wait what but then, then they just abandon that, like, yeah. and then they just go back into you know how wonderful she was. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's about it. That's the only point I wanted to make was just that little. If I may. Uh, I typically am not a huge fan of documentary style movies that aren't really documentaries because I tend to smell acting on them very quickly and it takes me out of it. This one uh, actually took me about 10 minutes. I started watching it and I was like, oh shit, wait a minute. Is this, a, oh shit, is this like a true crime thing? And then about 10 minutes, then I started getting some feelings off and I was like, okay, this is acting. I was like, but they duped me for they're good for a while, and so I had to give credit to them for duping me because, like mm-hmm. I say, I smell it pretty quick. It's like, all right, I'm in. I'm I'm in for the rest of this movie now because they were able to pull one over on. And I think it's a nice trick because it's Australian that disarms you. I think that's probably no, yeah. true. Your faces, yeah. sure. And but yeah, they really are all of them. Every single one of them are strong in it. There really isn't a weak performance no. coming oh, from yeah. it. You really believe these people are in misery. Um, but so our turning point in the film really is when we've got the footage and not only does that pull the viewer in, but then that gets us jumped into digging a little deeper into what we've got. So we're frustrated with the psychic, not being able to make anything of what we're looking at. But upon further review of our video footage, we have a male in her, in her room. Mm -hmm. What the hell is that? That's the neighbor. And so have we already revealed? Not yet. Okay. I, when I think it's probably safe to do because I think that happens and then they find the guy in the right, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So because I was going to say, um, I will say the twist I think worked for this movie. Because, twist number one. Well, well, they didn't. Yes, twist number. So one. twist number one came very early, which was when the brother confesses that he put on her hoodie, and it's actually him walking. And he's been doing camera tricks and photo tricks and things like that. Right, that was actually before we noticed. Which, the which him, to, and so. The family has the mom is thinking maybe she didn't die, so they have her body exhumed. Yeah, that's his motive is to bring her closure because yeah. she is she never not, saw the body. She never saw the body. She's not. She's not finishing this. She's not finding yeah. closure. And so, so he, he starts thinks, doing these things to plant seeds for her to where they exhume. They find the girl's body in the grave. You can put that to rest now. Yeah, check but the DNA. then but they also it's important to note that they show a picture of the body from the very beginning. Like yes. the body that they pulled out because the father IDs it. Yeah, so it's very, uh, you know, just like if you've ever seen a drowned body. Like, yeah. yeah, it's gruesome. It's, yeah, it's gross. So it's 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 and that's a really color. <clears throat> when I thought back to this film before we watched it again, uh, the thing that my mind went to that stood out to me was the dad saying that I'm the dad. That's my job. Yeah, is to go down and ID her. Yeah, and I thought this is acting, and I I. The first time I watched this, I didn't know anything about it. I just watched it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, like you were talking about, 20 minutes into it, Jesus, man, these poor people. Yeah. I felt like I was, didn't understand. I felt like it was a documentary. I wasn't in a world of listening to podcasts and, and, right. and going as deep right. with film as I am now to have this on my radar. So I was all in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the pictures that we show of the body are really <laughs> gruesome. But we learned that the neighbor, uh, is in here and we look guys. All right. I put out my diabetes medication (laughs) and Vinny wants me to crush it up so we can snort it. Honestly though, I probably need it. So, so that's the first twist. The sun stages the video. Yes. 
in the photos, which makes you twist. instantly wonder what he's up to. But then it's you learn it's more just a kind of a weird grieving response too. It's his grieving response, and he like maybe this will help mom. Like yeah, just weird. When when that first happened too, and it's done so early on that I was like, well, man, you took all the creepiness away from me. But then. With the second reveal, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm back in. Like, yeah, because the, the second thing. reveal is like you were getting into. You notice there is a man crouched yeah, it's an actual <laughs> in the footage, an actual person that, face. that wasn't part of the son hoaxing things. And so they try and figure out what he is in here for, and they figure it out. It is a VHS in her safe that she has. And on that VHS is her... Uh, I was going to say, isn't it a boink in the neighbor? Yeah, as a babysitter, she babysat for the neighbors. And in the video, uh, she is having a threesome with the parents, uh, next door neighbors. And so she had a copy of this tape. And evidently, after her passing, he was scared to death that was going to get out. So he's in in the house rooting around for that. Um, I mean, that's why it's a babysat, but. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is dealing with this horribly depressing subject. Um, so with that, I think why that it's kind of a bizarre turn, but it's also not because I think frequently there's this upsetting idea of learning about people we love yeah. after they're gone. And so you're already watching this family go through this excruciating experience. And now they're watching their little daughter get plowed by the creepy neighbor and his wife. Yeah. I mean, it is just and, and, heavy. And, yeah. it, and it I feel adds, like in the video too, doesn't it look like she's been possibly drugged? Is that, am I thinking of that? I, I didn't think of that. That's kind of what I, to me, from she all looked, indications, it looked like she was a willing participant. Yeah. yeah. There didn't look like anything other yeah. than she was partying too, but maybe I kind of read into it. differently. Um, but after that, oh, another turn that we learn is that the psychic mis- misled them. Uh, she had met with Ray. Uh, she was having dreams of drowning and her mother um, not being able to help her, see her. All of these things that would come true. Yeah. Well, which causes a massive amount of fallout and anger uh, with the psychic between them and the family. Um, and then we have a boyfriend her boyfriend, uh, that comes forward with footage from a outing that they went on to Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo? Like the title? <laughs> That's the title. And in the cell phone footage, we see her burying something. Oh, I want to take one step back. Okay. Just briefly. In that, um, as they're talking about the fallout from the video and the neighbor, um, the dad is like, oh, I think... I think that that's why she drowned. I think she was so full of guilt that she, like, killed herself? Yeah. He makes that point, and he's like, so I think that what was happening with the neighbors is directly related to her death. That's true. They're right. just looking for anything well, to she, connect. She, and she re, she returned from camp with items missing. Like this is never... before that. The camp? Yeah, we were just getting to the camp. So I'm just talking well, about the dad. But, but I mean... Man camp. But but when she returned before she drowned, though, that was that early on in the film, they talk about how she returned. And... He's going to tell that part. I thought we were going to talk about the, the phone that we found. <laughs> so anyway, I was just saying they were connecting, saying that like... Was this a movie or a miniseries? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. I mean, what's, what's funny though is it's a nice and tight 88 minutes. Yeah, it sounds and, like this is much more drawn out than it is. Yeah. It moves quick. And, no, it is, it, and it, like it's been said before, this absolutely is twist after twist 
after twist. And I think that's why it works for a feeling of a film that's already kind of played out by 2008. They yeah. completely well, flip it. Mo- on most, head. most found footage films, there's a twist, but it's the end of the film. And right. Right. The twist is they suckered you into watching an hour and a half movie. <laughs> so sorry for interrupting. Thought oh, that's fine. Mentioning. It's I'm just glad you guys are excited to cover the points. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest to get through. This is like an Italian movie that makes sense. <laughs> I was going to say, go back 40 minutes and uh, listen to a struggle through Devil's Reign. Now, this is an exciting film. Um, so the boyfriend. Yes, the boyfriend uh, feels compelled at this point uh, to bring forward cell phone footage and from this trip where the kids went out to Lake Mungo. Uh, and in that footage, we notice her digging through the ground uh, by hand and burying something at the base of the tree, which is like red meat for the viewer. It's like, where the hell are we going next with this? Um, and so we, we look back on, on her coming back from this trip without things that mattered to her, uh, which was very bizarre. And so the family takes a trip out to Lake Mungo. That's why they call the film Lake Mungo. What? Um, and we dig and we find the bag, and it's got um, weed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sex toys, dirty magazines. No, we have assorted things that matter to her, including her cell phone. On her cell phone, we watch video footage that she has taken, where she encounters her dead body from the future, a doppelganger that is bloated and rotted, and it's done perfectly. Because it's very brief and disoriented like you would have on a old flip phone taken from that era in a, sk- yeah. in a weird moment. Yeah. Um, and this is basically the culmination of her seeing the future. I think she buries that stuff there kind of like as a – I don't know if she's leaving – if you could view that as her leaving breadcrumbs or if that's just her saying – I'm done. I don't need this stuff. I kinda, yeah. I kind of felt almost like a, cause I think if, um, cause wasn't it like a ring and a, and a watch, it was like some, some stuff valuables yeah. other than her phone. I kind of feel like with her burying those, that it was kind of like, like a way to get somebody to come back and find yeah. the, find the phone. Yeah. I feel like if it was just the phone, it probably would have been like, ah, either that, or it's like the, the somber moment at the end of, uh, is it Donnie Brasco when Pacino takes off his stuff? To leave at the house because he knows, he knows he's going to get go hit. Doesn't yeah. want doesn't want his jewelry that would matter to his wife to be taken. Yeah, um, and so it's it's a a very bizarre wrap up um, to a very twisty, turny narrative that we've had. Because then we basically have the family come home in peace, like they've uh, figured out. So it's not that they've even figured out. It's just they feel that it's been lifted. Like her ghost has been trying to get them to to learn about what happened to her and know some of her secrets and kind of, I don't know, they, t- they talk about how, and I don't think they use the word, but just kind of how serene it is when they get home and that it's time to move. And so as we wrap it up, we show off in the distance of a family photo her standing there and then as the, we intersplice with the credits, we show footage where that was missed of her throughout. Yeah, it's like the doctored photos are there, but if you look over to over this there, other side, she's, she's actually, actually in it as a ghost. Yeah, right. Which is thing. a nice touch to a, a movie where you've already been twisted and turned a million times. Then the credits run, you're like, well, the fuck, they got me again. Yeah, right. And that's... Um, 
What's interesting too, I think the added piece is they're going to move out of the house is they've all found their closure. Right. They're like, the, the mother's like, I'm not having dreams anymore. She's moved on. You know, yeah. like she's, she's at peace. She's found this or that. And it's like, no, she's not. She's still in your photos. Yeah. Do you think that mom still goes in people's houses? Oh yeah. But it's like at the same, uh, at the same time, it's like, she's just not needing them to know anymore. Yeah. And so she's always been there. She's always going to be. And yeah. so I, I kind of like, but I kind of don't like that it's anticlimactic in a weird way because we see it the doppelganger, which is like, whoa. Yeah. But yeah. That's it, not it, an answer. It ends it's your... no answer. Right. And that's, yes. that's what drives me nuts about it. Right. It's yeah. And so we still don't know really what happened to her, but I do like that we don't do the traditional at peace thing that we're just one day they wake up and that's kind of like grief. One yeah. day you just wake up and you're a little better yeah. and it's not, it's not dictating your day and she's not going anywhere. And you can look at that as a sweet ending that mm -hmm. she's still there. Right. She's still present in the pictures and along their journey with them. So it's, it's not going to be for everybody, but I, I think it's just, it is one sharp little indie film. It's neat. I, it's neat. <laughs> That's how I, put it. I mean, I think it's worth checking out. So again, it, as we wrap up, my only, my only gripe is the weird, encountering her dead self and getting no explanation about that. Yeah. I would have, I would have been for 10 more minutes of some kind of expert explaining. What if the psychic slash medium comes in and says, Oh yes, this is a phenomenon known as this. And it's manifested by a traumatic experience, which would tie it to the sex tape. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. What if they would have came in and just, but that's what my, that's what my simple dummy Even brain needs. Something as simple as like somebody a re does or... a, a re review of her autopsy mm -hmm. says, actually, this is what happened. Something must have distracted her and she caught her foot on this branch and got caught under. Mm -hmm. Well, then you could treat it as this thing was continually terrorizing her, which caused her to drown. That's all I need. Yeah. But they, I mean, you literally just drop that turd in the, the cornflakes and then it's just like whoa 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 what yeah. and now everybody's okay yeah. after we watched her see a future dead version of herself they're like i'm kind of fine with seeing your dead self before you die <laughs> and i hope i hope i see myself before i die yeah so that i i totally agree that's my one gripe with the film but it doesn't void the rest of it no yeah. so it's it's still a good watch what if your dead body gets in a delorean and comes back Weekend in the future yes. at Bernie's. <laughs> I was just thinking that uh, the sequel they're going to get her cousin, and he's going to be like, "No, that's a knife." <laughs> so I'd recommend it. So is Mungo the one that punches the horse? Yes, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's part two. Uh, yeah, part two. He haunts the lake. <laughs> I certainly would recommend it. Yeah, certainly would. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out. Well, wrapping up, and oh wait, we've got no. one more. Yeah, we do. <laughs> You're cruising for a bruising, buddy. <laughs> you went on the lips of the hips, Hoorah! <laughs> well, I can see by everybody's yellow bandanas that we're uh, <laughs> round and about here. It is raining men. Uh, Hallelujah. So uh, the last pick I chose, which is Cruising 1980. Um, honestly, I chose this movie because I wanted to force it upon you for all the uh, hillbilly films that I've had to watch Uh <laughs> Over the uh, the uh, duration of this podcast, which uh, now that I made you watch Cruising, uh, this is my last episode. Uh, it's been fun. 
Um, now that I found out that you like forcing things, I will not da- doubt any rape allegations which, against you. What, also, uh, what, what did I tell you about this movie? <laughs> he said, this is payback. I texted him and I said, have you watched Todd's pick yet? And he said, not yet. And I said, this is payback for all the hillbilly Um <laughs> So the main reason I, I chose Cruising actually was, uh, one, I wanted to watch it. Uh, directed by uh, William Friedkin, uh, Friedkin uh, who directed The Exorcist. And... Um, it's a movie I've, that's always been on my radar. Uh, I can't say it's a gay movie. I hate saying that it is because it's not. But it's definitely gay culture. Um, I think the movie was in 1980. So it, it was filmed and released before the AIDS epidemic. So you saw a part of uh, gay culture that really kind of started to fade out after that because uh, because of AIDS. Yeah. Um, but also... Um, Thanks, AIDS. Uh, Thanks, AIDS. Uh, the last, um, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, they started talking about the story of, uh, how there's a real life serial killer in the film, the exorcist. Uh, so after reading that, it definitely made me even more interested in watching cruising. Um, so, um, I guess, uh, to finish out here, it's based on a, based off a novel cast includes Al Pacino, uh, Paul, Paul Silvino, Karen Allen, Richard Cox, uh, Joe Spinell, Ed O'Neill. A lot of people. Uh, James Ramar. Mike, Mike Starr. And Powers Booth as the hanky salesman. <laughs> um, again, also besides all that, I knew that there was a lot of cuts made to the, the movie. So uh, apparently there was 40 different edits. Wow. Costing $50,000 before actually getting an R rating. I knew that they filmed in a lot of real gay clubs. And so there's a lot of stuff in the background that which I think is a lot of the stuff that had to be edited out. That's uh, there's some real sex going on in the background. So much like the Village People's YMCA, if you look in the background, you might see some fisting down at the Y. They, from what I read, I think I saw. I was reading this article about it because it's a highly controversial film. Oh yeah, and um, I think that Bill Friedkin was escorted to these two hardcore clubs because they were shot in real hardcore clubs. Yeah. Because all that you're looking at, that's not extras. Yeah. These are actual underground scenes yeah. from that era. Yeah. And and the only reason he didn't get the shit kicked out of him was because he was escorted by members of the mafia because they own those bars. Because that's the only way they could get away with having those hardcore sex clubs. And he had some kind of liaisons too that were the, the people there embraced him. Because yeah. they wouldn't have been on camera. They would all walk out so, of the bar otherwise. So, like somehow he got in good with yeah. a very private scene. It was yeah. definitely 50 50 because there was a lot of gay people protesting the film. Yes. But then there was a lot saying, of gay people that were embracing that they're filming in their culture. So, yep. It was definitely a big 50 50. There's a, I think the Village Voice was an article that I had an article. Um, I read somewhere, and again, you, you start hearing lots of weird little movie tales, but I actually. Very similar to what you just said, except for that in a couple of the places he went into, he wore just a, just a jock strap. So I don't know how true that is. Um, I, I really I know want, that there were men in the film who were wearing just yeah, a jock strap. I don't strap really want to picture that. So I watched the movie. Uh, Professor, lay the fact that you put on me before I watched this movie. Oh, just the what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, he briefly what, spoke on So it. in The Exorcist. Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen that film at this point. Uh, when uh, they take a long time listener, first time, get out. <laughs> it's also a good movie. <laughs> uh, so we have Paul Bateson who plays a, uh, 
medical technician. He's one of the assistants that is helping Reagan when she's having the CAT scans and other things ran on her. So he has actual screen time in there. Um, And he would go on to be accused of a murder in New York City, but also at the same time, and they put this in the film, this was really happening. There were body parts all over the Hudson River of gay men. There was a serial killer killing men in the underground scene there. Oh, wow. And so they, for a chunk of time, speculated that he was it because mm. of the one murder that he was involved in and being charged with, or at least that they thought was the main suspect. And so Freakin caught wind of this. They said, you know, somebody that was in one of your movies might be the serial killer chopping up guys and throwing them in the Hudson River. And off Freakin went. And so he took this novel and, you know, obviously the double meaning of cruising with mm-hmm. both cops and gay men in the scene there at the time and aimed to run with it on the story in real life that you have the guy on screen in yeah. this film. And so it's a very bizarre relationship. And so. There aren't many movies where you will find more moving parts around the production that's just as interesting as the film is than this. Mm -hmm. Because also we talked about the protests. I've never heard of anything like it with what happened on this because um, much of the gay community did not appreciate this film. They thought that it was painting them as exclusively this. Yeah. The, you know, leather daddy, seedy underground bar scene. And they did not want to be painted with that brush. And so you had... And for the record, I've never seen Hot Toddy in a Leather Daddy costume. So that's that's true. why I knew the film was not true. Yeah. And so he's looking like, you don't know shit. <laughs> um, and so they did all kinds of creative things to try and wreck this produ- production. They went around with air horns yep. to ruin the sound wherever the filming was. They rented apartments next to where they'd be filming interiors yep. just to make noise and screw with it. They'd get on neighboring buildings with mirrors and reflect the light to screw up the lighting. Yeah. I mean, every effort that you could come up with to try and dismantle this production, they did. And this thing was a circus from start to finish. Uh, there's On the Blu-ray, There's a it's an archival featurette, but one of the interviews they talk about is uh, the guy who plays, and we'll talk about him, but the guy that plays the neighbor, Ted. Tim, or Ted, he at one point begs Pacino, he's like, can I, can I be escorted out with you? I, I'm not Al Pacino. I'm never going to get to do this again. And so they show up with bodyguards ramming through the crowd to get into the car. And, I mean, it was like that all the time. Wow. It wasn't because Pacino is a star. It's this fascinating controversy around it. And so you have both sides of the spectrum just burying this movie. Because, obviously, the religious right oh, wasn't a fan either. Uh, so I'm, he had no I'm gonna be a, I'm going to be 100% honest with you and tell you that the the – surrounding story to this film is far more interesting to me than the actual film. Well, and I think it's interesting too, that there aren't many directors you could have hired that could have pulled it off besides freaking yeah. that guy has balls. And oh yeah. He doesn't heard it's the freaking it. weekend, baby. I'm a, I'm, I knew fun. it was coming. I'm, I, I had to, I tried to do it earlier, but I couldn't get the timing right. I'm I'm, a, I'm glad you said that. Cause that when I watched this movie, I was like, man, Everybody involved in this had balls because they compare it to what was coming yeah, out. You can see them in the film. Well, just, just <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, they were talking about how there was this big gay culture movement. But I'm like, all the movies they're comparing it to, because Tootsie and uh, Victor Victoria, none of those movies were what cruising was. Uh, right. Cruising, the fact that um, 
See, I thought Tootsie was a remake of Cruising. No, it is not. So, uh, even the fact, so just, uh, just after watching this, and because uh, I was trying to look up uh, more about the the guy from The Exorcist. So, um, I don't know why I've never heard the story before, but uh, Steven Spielberg was actually um, in line to direct this film before Jaws. And because every film studio turned it down, he was like, nope. And that uh, Richard Gere was the top choice. He was already cast to play uh, Al Pacino's character, but Al Pacino wanted to do this film. Is this where the gerbil rumor started? Probably. Um, I think Richard Gere definitely, uh, because he is kind of, Richard Gere's kind of ambiguous already. I think he might have fit in better than Pacino, but I love that. I think think Pacino adds to the film. It It really does. Um, I I don't know. There's definitely more controversy over the film than... uh, I can't say it's a tame movie either. Honestly, when you watch it, if you watch the background, I'm like, yeah, there's a guy getting fisted, and it's still pretty well for there's a BJ going on in the corner, and uh, I can see where a lot of the protests come from. But at the same time, a lot of the attitude to gay culture, there's also a lot. Like Al Pacino's character is talking about how you know you can't just bring in a gay uh, person just because they're gay, and then you interrogate the hell out of them, and then throw them back out in the street, right? Uh, so there's this that's a great scene. protection to it. And there's also Al Pacino himself, who is, as he keeps getting immersed into it, uh, there's an early, uh, a scene early on. You know, we probably skipped over what this movie's even about. Let's, d- let's jump into Cruising. So uh, Cruising is... Uh, <laughs> P.S. all the way around. First time viewing? Yes. Third. First time viewing. <laughs> Third. Really? I, I had downloaded it years back, then Warner put out a... Like bootleg DVD and then Arrow put out the this is great the Blu-ray. third time today he's watched it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I literally was <laughs> almost screaming at Todd to buy the damn movie. Um, yeah. So cruising. Um, there's a there's a serial killer and um, and this is in Manhattan. Uh, it, the killer is uh, targeting gay men. Um, so the police want to send uh, an undercover. Uh, so they pick Al Pacino. Um, <laughs> Al Pacino, who knows nothing about the culture, is like uh, being immersed into uh, not only the gay culture, but like there's a lot of uh, subcultures. So like the leather scene and uh, like some of these S and M clubs and uh, the I, we keep talking about the the handkerchief scene, but like there's even handkerchiefs that you know if you wear a yellow one in this pocket means you like to receive golden showers, or if you put it in this pocket you give them and um. So uh, him being in this character makes uh, it even more because he's being immersed into the scene. He's trying to find a killer. And he fits the description of, of the, the guys who have been killed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so that's, that's true, too. Um, and the great scene where Sorvino brings him into the office <laughs> to talk to him about it and opens with, Tim, let me ask you, you ever, you ever got your cock sucked by a man? <laughs> and to watch Pacino just kind of <laughs> laugh and... Not really understand what's going on. And, and Pacino looked like he's doing John Turturro cosplay <laughs> at that point. I will say, uh, uh, to me, the interesting thing about the movie is as he's getting immersed. Because there's the early scene where he, you know, he's in there and he's seeing all this stuff happening, all the sex and stuff. And then he goes to the girlfriend's house and bangs it out. So it's kind of as he's getting immersed, it's like he's getting into it and... At the same time, we keep seeing the killer keeps uh, picking victims, which the cool thing is, is um, I don't know. I think when I rewatch this, I mean, like, I actually really enjoyed this movie, but uh, word. Did you say spoiler? Fuck off. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, 
something that uh, <laughs> that I found interesting was uh, so the the first you see the first person get killed on film, that killer is the second victim, um, and the way the movie's done, even up to the end, who the hell's the killer? Is Pacino the killer? Is uh, it, it's and, and yeah. I guess probably because it's still an unsolved murder, probably the right choice to go for this uh, because no one knows who the killer was. Um, I don't know. I definitely, I, I, it's just, I can't think of any other movie for this time period of late seventies, early eighties. That is anything like this movie. I love how Pacino is undercover gay. <laughs> and every time things start to get gay, he's like, I gotta go home. My laundry's done. <laughs> I forgot. I left my oven on. I on. Gotta go. There are, listen, we go to the movies for magic. Okay. Yeah. And, there's magic in here, and I'll tell you what it is. It's when Pacino starts dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, this is Michael Corleone just a few years later with some uh, permed hair fitting in. And it looks like me in middle school. Just not really sure what to do trying to fit in. There's, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, great, uh, I don't know, I always, that the handkerchief scene still gets me. Yes. Tell Listen. us about that. It, real. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no please. I don't want to. What a treat. Cut you off. Go ahead. Chris. Um, no, please. I insist. Um, <laughs> so uh, talking about movie magic, I just want to capitalize on that. Man, if you give me a '70s '80s film set in scummy New York City, Amen. I'm in. Yep. I am in. I love it, man. Like you know, warriors, etc. Like maniac. You, yeah, maniac, absolutely. So that's the other thing. Oh, oh Joe, Joe Spinell on this, too. Exactly, like, that's great to say. You give me Dirty New York and Joe Spinell. Who I'm, looks like Tony Clifton. Uh, and it has double to, he's going to be there. Yes. Nobody went and filmed there and didn't get Joe Spinell. Joe Spinell was on every street corner in New York City during that era. Yes. <laughs> Someone looked like Joe Spinell. He's in everything. They made uh, the first Deadly Sin around this time with Frank Sinatra, serial killer movie in New York. Who's the doorman? Joe Spinell. Man. Every movie. I'm in. Double fucking in. So... Yeah, I love it. So, sorry. Bandana scene, Powers Booth, a.k.a. Curly Bill Brocious from Tombstone. <laughs> that was the original working title for the film. Curly so, Bill uh, just Curly Bill. So, you know, we get the bandana scene, and it's, uh, it, and this is, let's be, even toward the end, like, he never did get it. Like, he's trying to dress, uh, and I, I love that, like, after, uh, after he's submerged, after about two scenes, even walking into the police station, all you can hear is fucking leather and chains. Like when uh, anytime Al Pacino is walking, also uh, not a very uh, stealth uh, move if you're trying to cruise uh, a serial killer. To um, so he goes into the handkerchief store and he's asking, just you know, what are the what are the meanings of uh, wearing these? And so each color means that you're into something different. And not only are you into it, but it's, do you give, do you receive? You're pitching, you're catching. Uh, so we have this whole scene, which of course Al Pacino takes the fuck off out of there. But then apparently he went back and bought one because he's where it has the yellow one in. Somebody which, a little by, <laughs> curious. So uh, that dude rolls up on him and is just asking him about golden showers, which freaks him the fuck out. And the guy is so offended. That's like, well, why the fuck are you wearing this? Then take that off. You poser. Yeah. He gets called a golden shower poser. Like, Come out here repping your set. You better be ready to get peed on, buddy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you better be ready to do it. Yeah, it's such an out-of-character little bit role for Powers Booth. The, the guy that we would know to go on and be in so many different types of films is just a virile guy. Oh, yeah. and he's in there just talking about the code of the 
of the scene with this. You know, this means you're a hustler. The one in your back pocket means you like to give blowjobs. <laughs> she just runs down through them all. And watching Pacino walk backwards out of the store is just hilarious. Which, uh, you know there is want, a deleted yeah. scene in Tombstone where he recreates that. <laughs> I believe they wore red bandanas. Yeah, the Cowboys oh, did wear red bandanas oh. in Tombstone. And around your neck means you go both ways. Uh. <laughs> That's why they call it the OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> why are you so weird over there, Vinny? Why Vinny's, just, Vinny's just watching Vinny, us get tickled over why you, uh, why Vinny, you Why are you in the corner with that red bandana and shirt Vinny, off? Vinny actually has nothing on but a black leather vest right now. <laughs> the balls are on the seat. So, uh, can we please talk about... Uh, they think they found the guy. And uh, they're like setting up and they're trying to like listen in. And Pacino goes home with the guy, and they're like, "Oh my God, he's dying!" And they run in and rush in. And, and what are you and doing he, here? He's not dying, right? So, but he's undercover, so they don't want to blow his cover. And uh, but he's 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 hog tied, butt naked, right? <laughs> and so they, they they take him in, and they're interrogating him and the guy that they think is the killer, and they're they're using some very, very strange interrogation techniques. My personal favorite is the big naked black man in the cowboy hat <laughs> that comes in and slaps the shit out of Al Pacino. And I'm thinking, do they just keep him on retainer? <laughs> do people just start fessing up when they see this guy show up? I think the weirder part, too, for me is that, like I said, this is my third viewing, and I didn't question it any of those times. <laughs> I just like, man, that dude's big. And he'd come in, smack the hell out of him, and walk out, and I wouldn't say, hold on! What?! <laughs> If you walk into the Muncie PD right now, there's a guy sitting there waiting just to do that job. It's like Joe Boo in a cowboy hat just knocked <laughs> this guy on his ass. Oh, boy. Uh, time goes on. It starts taking its toll on Pacino. And that's a turning point, too, with the interrogation. Yeah. Because as uh, Todd referenced earlier, he's walking off talking with Sorvino after that. And he's like, man, my goal here is not to ruin people with this because yeah. they beat the hell out of this guy and then they find out wasn't him yep it's continued yep. but you know so that's a great scene where i think we start to see him sympathizing more um and becoming more and more comfortable and a part of the of that community and let's point out i don't care how undercover you are you wouldn't allow yourself to be hogtied no. so there's the question when we open the door and seem like that did we want this Right. Because no officer is going to go that far. Right. Because you have now rendered yourself dead. Yeah. That's not going to happen. He yeah, would yeah. have said, he would have had to call at some point and go, hey, come on. Well, I feel like five minutes later, they probably would have walked in with some action going on. So it was almost kind of like, do you go that far if you're undercover? Like, Right. Which is also confusing because now we're looking at, with him knowing the stakes of what's out there, is he willing to do this because he wants to, even knowing that? it's a, it's a They don't hit you over the head with it, but it's there. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's a very jarring thing to see come in and seem like that. It's like, why are you letting it get this far? Yeah, because you're dead. Yeah. If this is the killer, you're dead. All the while, as, as again, talking about things taking its toll, the murders keep happening. Mm-hmm. And he... He is not catching the kill. Which the man, the kills are pretty brutal too. They and, are. And uh, something again, which I didn't, I didn't catch this viewing, but I, apparently there's a lot of subliminal, like uh, where you almost have to pause. There's a lot of like porno and stuff that's in scenes that are just hmm. blink and you miss it. Um, there's a. Um, that's why I got the Blu-ray. <laughs> well, like there's the there's you get the Tyler Durden. There's there's the one guy that's uh kind of like seems like he's the killer. 
and then his dad has the voice of the killer. Like, there's just a what lot about, of... What about the killer's little song or poem? I'm what, here, you're here. Which uh, Al Pacino, I think, is saying at the end of the film. Uh, it's Man, it, can we get to the ending? Let's, real quick, what's the lead that that sends us on our digger deep for locating our guy that we think we've got uh, yearbook pages pulled out from students of the Columbia. man who was the Columbia professor we watched killed earlier because that's what they think is the lead. We, we find a guy we've honed in on and Pacino becomes obsessed and we get some warnings like guys at the club are like, yeah, don't fuck with him. He's weird. Yeah. Like he's, he's rough. Yeah. Yeah. People are like already warning him. Like, who's that? Who's that guy with the Eagle patch on? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't fuck with him. He's weird. But yeah, we've got these moments where the, our guy realizes that Pacino is across the street. He's the one that kicked in the fan out of his window and was in there looking at letters. And there's these moments where he smiles at him. And you don't know if it's something because he's being flirty or because he's the cop and I gotcha. And so there's this kind of blurring of these things that continually make this movie different, needless to say. But yeah, so we get we get to our ending, which is? They're in the park. They're about to get it on. And my favorite line, hips or lips, what's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> and what happens, Todd? Now Pacino uh, chose hips or lips. <laughs> and surprise, party ending. It is 20 minutes of porking. Cue the credits. The end. Um, so then uh, that guy, is he stabbed in the park? Yeah, he so, tries to stab Pacino. So he's like trying to be very clever. So Pacino's watching him and he's like, I know he, he's going to keep his knife down here. And when he pulls his pants down. I'm going to try and stop him from pulling the knife out of his boot. Cause that was going to be his move. So Pacino like stomps on his hand as he's going to grab the knife and then sticks him. And there's, yeah, there's that. They haul him in. Yep. And then everything gets even fucking weirder. Yeah. That's where <laughs> you think traditional. And then we find we have another murder since we've had old boy in the hospital. It is Ted. The neighbor, which we didn't really cover going over the summary, but which was Patino's first gay friend, right? It's his and, neighbor, yeah. Yep. And so they pin that on James Remar's character. Is it George? Which is his like roommate slash estranged lover, right? Who doesn't get along with Pacino. Yep. Um, is in a fight with him. They mention the neighbor and his name, um, which Sorvino, who's there, recognizes as the alias that Pacino was using. And he's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, wait, did Pacino do this? Yeah. Which just ends with him shaving. and Yeah, and so then we go to Pacino returning home to his girl, Karen yep. Allen. And the only person we haven't watched transform at any moment, we do now. The girlfriend picks up the getup. She's putting on the big aviator glasses and the hat and the jacket. She's about to peg him. Yeah, and um, we then are watching Pacino shave and then just start staring at himself. Yeah. And I think, personally, that signifies he's not sure who he is. Yeah, right. And then he stares at you Yeah, in the reflection of the mirror. And I feel like the point of that scene... Which I didn't I know who will, the fuck I was when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't see because I was just masturbating wildly. Um, but, Vinny, wake up. 
But <laughs> I'm here. I think, and I, I will say this right now, I do think the ending was a misfire. Yeah. I think a lot of critics feel the same way. Uh, true free confession, he still stands by it. He said that his point was you never really know somebody. Yeah. And I don't think that really fits the mold across, yeah. of the point of the film. No, yeah. I feel like, like you just shifted at the end tonally to, well, to have the, a different message. The other weird twist, too, is that our prime suspect um, is laying in the hospital. Uh, they're searching his apartment. They find all those letters that Pacino had found. And they're like, oh, these were all letters he had written to his dad. And the guy who knew him, his roommate, was like, that's really weird. Yeah, because his dad died 10 years ago. But we have a scene of him talking to his dad in the park. And so it's like, again, like, so that could fit Friedkin's thing. Like, you really don't know somebody. But at the same time, it's just like, what? Like, it leaves so many, like, scattered seeds. Well, was he schizophrenic? Or... Right. Was he nuts? Um, are they just going to pin the killings on him because he's crazy? And it actually was Pacino? Like, what's happening right yeah and i i think it's also a statement too on how you forced a whole community into hiding in that era i mean we were starting to get a little bit more comfortable with different segments of the population that were mistreated being able to be a little bit safer but certainly not in 1980 in new york it was better but it wasn't good yeah and so i feel like in a lot of ways that's the whole point that Freakin's trying to get across where I think he would have been better served to just stick a little simpler with it because even the meaning of the film has the two meanings. And so you have the cops who are being horrible to these, the uh, transvestites that he's screwing with. And then they bring him around in the car and they're having him blow him. Yeah. But they're treating him like disgusting human beings until they pull around into the quiet alley. And so I think throughout the film, you see people, who they are out on the sidewalk and then who are they are when they go down inside the club. Yep. And so I think it's just different levels of that. And I think that that's what we finish with because I know that ending pisses a lot of people off. Uh, it put me off the whole movie. Yeah. I like, I'll never watch it again. There's nothing will ruin me on a movie than an unsatisfactory ending. And that's exactly what this movie was. I feel like I sat through this whole thing like a whodunit only to find out. I don't know who done it. And to me, it's one thing when that's real life. It's another thing when it's a film that's packaged and and sent out to you. For me, this movie's a myth, and that's just my personal opinion. It's not one that I'll watch again. Uh, I'm a Pacino fan, uh, but again, it's just kind of a myth for me. You're not going to watch Cruising 2? Electric Boogaloo? Well, I still think the guy that, that we hone in on and end up in the park with is the killer. Yeah. I think that we've caught him and pulled him off. That yeah. doesn't mean that all homicides stop. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and so I think that it's separate. And they things. did find his fingerprint on the coin in the peep show where the guy was. Killed. Right. Like, and so I, mean, I think yeah. you still get the serial killer up off. It's just now what all has bled in from this situation. Right. Not the most satisfying by any means, but I do think at least the meat of the film is resolved. Maybe meat isn't the best term, but <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Well, uh, I can't say that I would watch it again, but I, I'm glad I did. I already I mean, have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, besides the ending, I mean, I, I think there are aspects of the film that make it worth talking about. The soundtrack saying. kicks ass. Oh, uh, yeah, that soundtrack's killer. So, uh, so 
your revenge trick didn't work, Todd. I actually enjoyed aspects of the film. <laughs> I have some better ones. Coming. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I like uh, watching Freakin's films in general. I think uh, this and Sorcerer are two gems that he made that don't get talked about much. Um, and I think it's a nice document of that era in that place yep. between the music and, and where we're shooting and all that. So I think even if you don't like the, the storyline or how it wraps up, I think it's worth watching just for the things I mentioned alone. Sure. sure. I highly enjoyed it. I'm glad I bought it. Um, definitely uh, some of the features that he was talking about I've already watched, which were... Because, uh, again, the, the the filming of the movie was interesting. The um, the weird backstory of, of the guy that, that might actually even be the killer of what this book is based on, um, of the true life killings. And um, I think it was okay with the ending. Like, obviously, if I would have... Uh, honestly, I don't know that my parents would have let me watch this at two years old because uh, don't not. don't remember the family going to check this film out. But uh, uh, you didn't walk down to the theater and watch this one, uh, not this one. <laughs> but uh, I guess because knowing that the crimes were never solved of the actual murders, like I think I'm okay with the ambiguous uh, who done it. Um, but it's it's really like a, like in all the interviews he talks about, it's it's up to you to decide. So um, that's what he was going with. Um, I enjoyed it. I definitely will watch it again. Uh, I think it's got a great soundtrack. There's, I feel like every time I watch this movie, I'm going to see things I'd never noticed before. Uh, <laughs> Without question. Oh yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I definitely, uh, found it interesting and good watch. All right. Very cool. All right. We're wrapping it up for another episode of the monster mash and a weird one at that oh man what a what a mix of very films. eclectic what a mix but i would recommend double featuring city of lost children and cruising at the same night Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> all right one of your hosts grizzly Adner, joined by professor wagstaff venomous Vinny, hot toddy stay scary Apple train. <laughs>